Well, praise the Lord, everybody. So glad that you're joining us today online, and we are unfortunately unable to meet in person, but we look forward to next Sunday being able to meet in person again. And as most of you are aware by now through various communications, we have had some exposure in our church family to COVID-19. And so out of an abundance of caution, we are doing online only. And uh, like I said, if everything goes well, we'll be back in person next Sunday. So we're looking forward to that. But before we uh, go any further, and because of some of the COVID things, we're going to forego having music today. So it's going to be me teaching, preaching. But we do want to go to the Lord in prayer. And we Obviously, uh, our church is being impacted by COVID right now, being uh, online only today. And uh, Pastor Cedric Austin, who we've been praying for, he is out of the hospital, but uh, still needs God to touch him, still needs a complete recovery. And so we want to pray for him. And then also we want to pray for the upcoming elections. There is, of course, an abundance of uh, things going on in the political uh, world, in the political realm. And so we want to pray for God's favor, God's blessing, God's direction in all of this. And we, we know that God interacts, and we know that God is in charge of everything. And so we want to pray that he would be at work in all of this. So let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Jesus, we're so thankful that we can come to you. We're so thankful, Lord, that we know you. We're so thankful that you hear us when we pray. Lord, I pray that you would touch all of those that have been impacted by COVID-19, those who are currently sick, those who've lost loved ones or lost jobs. Lord, whatever the case may be, I pray that you would reach down and touch them. Let your peace, your comfort, your joy be upon them and be with them. Lord, we pray especially for Pastor Cedric today that you would continue to bring healing to his body, that you would continue to bring a quick recovery, and that all of his family would remain safe. Lord, we pray also for the political situation and the season that we're in. Lord, as everybody is, has their own agendas and their own ideas and their own ideology that they're promoting, Lord, I pray that the truth would come out in every situation, or that you would be glorified and that your will and your process and your plan would unfold in our lives and in our country. God, we pray for your peace. We thank you for it, Lord, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And wherever you are, say amen. Uh, we are uh, so happy to have a new church app, and we push that out through some of our social media channels as well as through uh, email and text. And so if, if you have not downloaded the app, we encourage you to do so to take advantage of that. We're going to be uh, becoming more and more um, dependent. Uh, dependent is the wrong word. We're going to start using that more and more for to communicate to you and to have some things and ways in which you can interact with our services and various things that we're doing. And I, right now we are currently, we should be live on three different places with our live stream. We're on Facebook, we're on the church website, crosschurchkc.com slash live. And then we're also in the app, but as I understand it, the app is pushing us to YouTube, and so you can actually watch the service on YouTube. But what I specifically want to make sure that you avail yourself of today is in the app, there is a, a place where there are sermon notes, and so you will be able to follow along with the sermon as I preach today. There's some fill-in-the-blank things that you can interact with, as well as all of the scriptures that will appear on the screen will also be in the, the notes. And so there are places not only for fill-in-the-blank, but places where you can 
make your own notes and comments about what I'm saying or about what God is saying to you as the word is going forth. So we're going to jump right into the message today. As, as you are aware, uh, on the beginning, uh, the first Sunday of September, we launched a new series called Values of the Cross. September 6th, we looked at lifelong discipleship. Last Sunday, we looked at healthy relationships. And this week, we're going to look at authentic community. And, and specifically, I think what authentic community is going to do, is going to pull in some of what we looked at last week with healthy relationships and, and loving our neighbor and what all of that means, and going to then be able to apply that in a different way to our local assembly and what that means for the body of Christ and what that means to be part of a church family uh, as we are here at Cross Church. So as I, as I get into this, there are, of course, uh, numerous ways in which we are very individualistic here in the United States. And, and I don't know that it's just the United States, but we have a strong emphasis on self-reliance. We have a strong emphasis on I can do it by myself. I don't need anybody. We're, I'm very independent. And, and in fact, that's one of the things that we, we raise our kids to be independent, to be self-reliant, to take care of themselves. And while all of that is good, there is also the idea we discussed last week that God has created us to be in relationship. He has created us to, to be together. He has created us to be with other people. And so we need to be in relationship and it's not wrong to be independent, it's not wrong to be self-reliant, but we need to be in relationship. In the Bible, in the, in the Jewish biblical families, there was, of course, it was a, what was called a patriarchy, where, where the, the dad or the grandfather or the oldest living male in the family was the patriarch, and as such, they took care of all of the family, that as as uh, people came and were added into the family. The patriarch was the one that they all looked to. And, and in fact, they lived in communities that were very much uh, extended family, where, where you may have three or four generations all living in the same family, in the same household or the same area. And, and that would be if you had a multitude of kids and then they got married and they had kids, all of those people living together in one community. And so there is this idea in the Old Testament of this biblical family hierarchy and this patriarchy, and that was community. However, the New Testament calls for an authentic Christian community that goes beyond uh, DNA, it goes beyond biology, it goes beyond just regular family ties. And it is a, a, a community in the Bible is where people are brought together to love God and to love one another. That differs a little bit from uh, the community that you might see as, as defined by the dictionary Webster or so on and so forth. There are three, three aspects of, of Webster's definition that I think are applicable to us. One is that, that the people with common interests living in a particular area uh, are a community. So here in Olathe, we are a community because we all live in a common area. We live in this general geographic area. Or a community could be a group of people with common characteristics or interests living within a larger society, such as a community of retired people or a community of uh, people that have worked at a certain place or a community of teachers or a community of 
academics, etc. And that, and that could be a professional interest. But, but as I mentioned, biblical community is defined as a group of people living under God's rule who are learning to love God more while loving one another. That they're living under His rule. That they are people who are serving God, living together in, in a broader community. They're not living in a commune. They're not living all in the same house. But a people that are living under God's rule, loving Him and learning to love one another. And so I, I want to look at community. I could do this, of course, in a number of different ways. And I'm going to do it a little bit different today than I normally would in, in a, a sermon that I would preach most of the time when I preach, I pick a particular passage and I go through that passage and let it speak to the topic at hand or the theme at hand. And there are other times where you may just take a topic and go all throughout the Bible looking at various ways the Bible speaks to uh, a specific topic, in this case, such as community. But well, what I want to do today is, is a little bit different, and that is that I, I want to take the book of Ephesians, and look at the book of Ephesians through this lens of community. And, and as you would recall, that I did an extended series on Ephesians. In fact, we haven't finished it. We, we stopped in chapter 5 of Ephesians, and we're going to uh, pick that up at some time later. But I want to look at Ephesians and see how it speaks to Christian community or this authentic community as we walk through what that means for us as a local church. And so the first thing I, want, I find in the book of Ephesians is this, is that if we're going to live in authentic community, we have to recognize that we are in the same spiritual family. That we're in the same spiritual family. Ephesians 1, 5, and 6 says, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace which He freely bestowed on us, in the beloved. This tells us that a number of things, but specifically this idea that we were adopted into the family of Jesus Christ. And by using the word adopted, uh, Jesus brings in this idea of family and community. So I want to focus on that for a minute, then we'll go to chapter 2. But in, in verse 5, this idea of adopted means a couple of different things. And I, and I preached on this, maybe even a whole message, but it, it means two things uh, at minimum. One is that he chose us, that Jesus Christ chose us. He, he, we didn't just end up in this church. We didn't just end up in the body of Christ uh, without any kind of, it, it just wasn't, uh, didn't happen on, on its own. He chose us, that Jesus Christ went after us and he chose to bring us into his body. He chose to put us into his family and to adopt us as children. And, and you've, you've probably heard this before, and I, I may have even said it before, is that when you're born into a natural family, uh, your parents, are, you know, you're stuck, uh, they're stuck with you. This is, this is what happened here. And you, you've heard the story of the, of the kid that was adopted. He's being picked on, and uh, uh, he, he finally responds to the people that are picking on him at school, he said, well, your, your parents were stuck with you, but my parents chose me. And that's what Jesus Christ did, is he chose us to be in his family. He chose to put us into his family. He chose to make us his children. At the same time, however, we chose him. 
And these do not stand in contradiction. There, there may be intention where it's like, well, he chose us and we chose him. How can that be? Can they both be true? The answer is yes, that, that we don't come to Jesus Christ unless he's pulling us, unless he's bringing us to himself. The Bible says that no man comes to the Father except the Spirit draw them. And so God has drawn us into relationship with us, but we don't have to go into that relationship, but we choose to be adopted as sons after he has chosen to adopt us. It's not like we're infants, and, and when you adopt a, a little baby as an infant, they don't have any say-so in it. The, the adoptive parents, they make that decision that they're going to adopt a child. But if you're a teenager, you have a say-so on whether you want to be adopted by these particular parents. But for us, we, we're, we all are making our own decision. Do we want to be adopted by Jesus Christ? And, and the answer is that, yes, we have made the choice to be adopted into his family. He chose us. We chose him. And now we're all in this family together as children of God. We're in the same spiritual family. We're adopted into this family. And we have the same father, Ephesians 2, 17 through 22. And I'll read that passage it says this, and he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. We have, in verse 18, we have the same Father. That we have, for through Him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. That through Jesus Christ, we can go to the Father. We have, not only are we in the same family, but we're in the same Father. We're not just cousins, but we have the same Father. That we, Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, has brought us into relationship with Him. And so we are part of this same spiritual family. Verse 19 of chapter 2 uh, Paul writes this, and he records this, that we are of God's household. Once again, this speaks to this idea of family, that we are part of his family because he has brought us into his household. As I, I mentioned a few minutes ago, this idea of this Jewish mentality of community or family hierarchy and this patriarch, it's what God has done. He has taken all of us who have different backgrounds and different uh, biological parents and he had by in biological families and he has brought us together into his household where he is the patriarch and we are looking to him to supply our needs we are looking to him to take care of us we are looking to him for direction all under this idea of the same spiritual family and then lastly verses 20 and 22 speaks of the fact that we have the same spiritual dna there's no two people out there that have the same natural DNA. Every DNA, every person is different. Their DNA is all slightly different. But we have the same spiritual DNA because we are the, we are the dwelling place of God's Spirit, that God resides in us. We are His holy temple. We are growing together, verse 20 says, into a holy temple. In verse 22, we are being built together as the dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That we are all part of the same spiritual family. And that's the first thing that we need to do in order to have authentic community is understand that we are in the same spiritual family. But secondly, not only are we are in the same spiritual family, but we need to recognize that we have the same salvation. 
Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We have the same grace that results in the same salvation. That grace is God's unmerited favor. It is favor that God gives us that we do not deserve. We don't deserve his salvation. We don't deserve his forgiveness. We don't deserve any of the blessings that he gives us, but he has given us those as a free gift. He has given us his grace. He has given us his favor. And all of us receive the same grace. Now, you may, you may be thinking to yourself, well, I, I wasn't really that bad. I mean, you know, there are people, they are really bad sinners. And, that, and that's true. There, there are people that are living total lifestyles of sin. They are totally depraved in their, and their morality and all of that. And, and you may say, well, I wasn't as bad as that, so my salvation or my grace, is, that's got to be a little bit different. But at the end of the day, it, it, it's, it's like this. If you need $100 to purchase something, and, and, and the store owner says, the first person, I've only got one of these, and the first person that gives me $100 can buy this particular item and you dig around and, you, and you, you you look and you pull out all the cash you have they don't take credit cards they don't take debit cards you got to have cash you pull all the cash you're digging into cushions or digging under the seats in your car man you come up and you got 99 dollars and you're almost there but you don't have a hundred somebody else they may dig around they, they're looking everywhere and they they come up with $10. It really doesn't matter whether you have the 99 or the 10. In essence, God's grace is making up the difference of what you don't have, what you need in order to get saved. And what I would tell you is no matter how good you are, you can never get saved apart from God's grace. He gives you everything that you need. And unfortunately, Sometimes we think, well, if I wasn't as bad as this person or that person, if I, if I didn't live as bad a lifestyle, then, then I'm more saved or I saved myself more than somebody else did. I'll just tell you this. I would rather have God's grace. I would rather have more of his grace. And, and instead of relying on how good I am, I would always want to look to his grace. But we all receive the same grace. We all receive favor that we don't deserve. No matter how good or bad you live, all of us need and have the same grace. And what I would tell you is this, is that no one deserves to be in the community called the church. None of us deserve that. It is only by God's grace. Not only do we have that same grace, but we all get the same gift. It is the gift of God. God freely gives us salvation. He freely gives us the gift of eternal life. He freely gives us the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He freely gives all of this to us. It's not the gift of some preacher. It's not the gift of a church. It is the gift of God. It is God who saves. It is God who is at work in us. And it is God who is the one who makes it possible for us to be saved. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God freely gives us, and I, I like the way some translations, but the free gift of God is eternal life. God freely 
gives us. He is the one who gives us and all of us who are saved, all of us who are in this thing called the church, receive the same gift, that gift of salvation. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 says, There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And what all of that says, it says a lot of different things, but I, I want to focus on the fact that, of this, that it, we all have the same Savior. That not only do we get the same grace and we get the same gift of salvation, but we all have the same Savior, and that is Jesus Christ. There is only one Lord. There's not a multitude of lords, but we only have one Savior. We only have one faith or one body of beliefs. There's a lot of different things that people have, but if you come to the, to the true faith in jesus christ there is only one body of belief and there's only one means of baptism all of this is ephesians chapter 4 verse 5 but we have one savior and one means of salvation so firstly we need to recognize we're all in the same spiritual family we need to recognize we have the same salvation and thirdly we need to recognize that we have the same mission we have the same mission, Ephesians 2.10, going back to chapter 2, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. How are we going to live an authentic community? Recognizing that we have the same mission. We have the same thing that we're supposed to be doing. We're the same family. We're, we have the same salvation. but We also have the same mission we are his workmanship we were crafted for a purpose that god crafted us he he created us he he changed us when we became new creatures in christ jesus when we come to him the bible says we're the old things are passed away behold all things have become new and we are new creatures in christ jesus and he is crafting us and making us as his workmanship but he's not just making something to sit on the shelf he's not just making something pretty he's not just making a jar that looks good but he is making us and creating us because he has a purpose for us. And that purpose is that we are to do good works. We are created in Christ that we come to him. And it is the purpose of that is to do good works. And, and it says of these good works that he has prepared them beforehand. That, that before the foundation of the world, the Bible says that Jesus Christ was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And, and I would tell you, he's only slain before the foundation of the world in the plan of God. But that, that plan also includes the idea that he's going to save people and they're going to be salt and light living in the world and that we are to go out into the world and do his mission. In fact, the new American Standard, which we're looking at, so that says this, so that we would walk in them. Walk is inclusive of all of our lifestyle, all of our living. It's not just that as I'm walking, it's not about taking physical steps. But walk here is a euphemism for living life, that as we live life, we are supposed to be doing the good works that God has ordained for us to do. Jesus, at the age of 12, you know the story, they're leaving Jerusalem, going back to, to Nazareth, and Jesus goes into the temple, and he, he stays behind, and it's a couple of days later before his family realizes, hey, Jesus is not here. 
And that'll preach, by the way. Many people have preached that you can just go through life and, and realize, hey, Jesus is not with me. That's a sermon for another day. But, but when they come back and they find him in the temple and he is, he is discussing the law and he is discussing truth with the priest and the teachers of the law and they are astounded at what he knows, his, his rationale for the reason that he did not leave with his parents was because he must be about his father's business. And I would tell you this, that you and I need to be about our father's business. We need to be about the business of the father. And, and what Jesus came, the Bible says he came to seek and to save the lost, which means that we need to be about the business of seeking and saving the lost. He, Jesus said in Matthew 5 that we're to be salt and light in the world. That means that we have to live a certain way. We have to act a certain way. That means if we're really going to be salt and light, it requires for us to live like Jesus. We have the same mission. If you are part of the body of Christ, you have a mission, and your mission is identical to my mission. And your mission is identical to the mission of the person who sits on the other side of the sanctuary. We all have the same mission. The same family, we're in the same spiritual family. We have the same salvation. We have the same mission. And so I focused those first three points really on our sameness and what is alike about us. But I want to turn that a little bit. And, and part of being in community is not uniformity. It's not everybody looking and acting and being identical to one another. It's not uniformity where everybody lines up and they all are identical. We're not looking for a, a a homogenous group of people that everybody just is like me, that everybody is, is just like somebody else here in the church. But, but what Ephesians tells us is this, is that we are to live united in our diversity. That we are a diverse group of people. We have differences among us. We have ethnic diversity people of different ethnicities, people of different backgrounds, different cultures, different uh, personalities. We have diversity in our families, that we all come from different types of families and the way families interact. We have experiential diversity. We have educational diversity. We have giftedness diversity. We have perspective diversity. We're diverse in a lot of ways, that the way we see things is different. That the way I see things and, and my background and my experience and, and my education is different than yours. And so when I look at something, I have a slightly different lens. I have a different tint to the lens uh, of the way I view the world. And, and while it's true that we all need to have a biblical worldview and a, a biblical lens through which we, we view things, they can be shaded a little bit different because of our experience or because of our background or because of our education or because of the family that we come from so there are a multitude of differences among us but ephesians tells us that we have to live united in our diversity ephesians 4 3 says this being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The word diligent here, and I'm going to give you 
the definitions of what the Greek words mean. I'm not going to give you the Greek words, but I, w- I want you to understand that and, and most things, whenever you're looking at the Bible, I'll just use this as a little aside, a little teaching point. When you're looking at the Bible, and I used Webster earlier, it's important to understand the use of the word in the biblical context or in the biblical time frame. And the specific words, whether it's Greek or Hebrew or even Aramaic in a few places, that it's, it's important to understand the, the biblical language. And so I'm not going to divine, define diligent in English, but I want to look at that in the Greek. But one, one more thing, there are times where the, the Greek word means the exact same thing as the English word. I for, never forget uh, one of my favorite preachers from back in the 90s was, was preaching a message, and, and he's preaching about the spirits that have been driven out and uh, the Spirit goes out and looking for dry places, and then the Spirit comes back, and it's seven times worse than it was. And this this idea, it's, it's a story in the New Testament. And he said, man, I looked up the word dry. I wanted to know, what, what, is, what does that mean, dry places? And he did all this research, and he said, it just means dry. Without water, it's just dry. So sometimes, the Greek or the Hebrew, it just means what it is. The translation in English is exact, but... But here I will tell you that diligent means intense effort and motivation. That Paul says we are to be diligent. We are to put intense effort and motivation or an earnestness into this idea of preserving unity. That we're to take it seriously. We're not just to hope that it happens, but we are to be diligent to preserve unity. So what does preserve mean? It doesn't mean that we're to create preserves and stick it on a shelf. No, but it's, it means to warden or to guard unity. To make sure that nothing happens to unity. To, to stand guard and be diligent that anything that would cause disunity, that we push it out, anything that would cause us not to, to be unified in spirit, we get rid of that. We push it off to the side. We deal with it. We don't sweep it under the rug and hope it goes away with, but we are diligent to preserve unity and he says not only would be diligent to preserve unity but he says the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace and ultimately what he is saying is that we need to preserve the unity of the spirit or in the bond of peace that that which binds us together is the peace of God. That which binds us and makes us part of this family, that what makes us part of this community and allows us to live in community is the peace of God. And peace here is the opposite of war or dissension. It is the opposite of, uh, of people having difficulty. It's, at, it's the opposite of people being at odds with one another and butting heads. It is the opposite of all of that. It means just to live calmly and to live in a way that has no strife, no dissension. Jesus said it this way. He said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. What is it that God wants? If you, if you want to be called the child of God, you have to be a peacemaker. If you want to be a child of God, you have to refuse to live at odds with people. If you want to be a child of God, you have to work together. In the middle of our diversity, in the middle of this political season, when you may have different, different opinions on which candidate you're going to vote for or which policy you're, you're, want to, 
you, you think is best, or should President Trump wait on, uh, on anointing or appointing a, uh, nominating a Supreme Court justice? Whatever your opinion is, it may be different than somebody else's, but you don't hold those opinions so as to cause disunity, but you get rid of everything and you calm it down and you, you smooth it over and you make all of those diverse opinions and those diversities among us, you make them work together for peace so that we can live united. Ephesians 4.13, just 10 verses later in the chapter, Paul says this, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. He's writing to the Ephesian church. He's writing to the Christians that are in Ephesus. And he, he says to them, they're all Christians, but he says we need these gifts. And he talked about spiritual gifts, and I've, I've preached on this already in our Ephesian series But he said these gifts are there to equip the saints to do the work of ministry until we all attain to the unity of the faith. He says we haven't all come to a unity in the faith. He doesn't say, well, some of you are Christians and you've got it all and some of you aren't Christians. You haven't quite got there. He says all of us are Christians, but we don't all have the same unity of the faith. Everybody doesn't understand theology or the faith equally. And here, faith is not about your belief in God or your your idea of trusting God. Here, faith is a body of truth, a body of of things that are true about God and how God wants us to live in the world and and all of these things. You've heard me talk about Jude verse 3 says, the, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. It's, 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 there is no changing of the faith. But even not j- just like in Paul's day, we all are not at the same place theologically. We don't all have the same understanding of, of how God operates or how God works or, or even how God wants us to live in the world. But he wants us to come to a unity of the faith. But until such time as we come to that unity of the faith, We have to live united in our diversity. We have to live, even though we may not agree on every point theologically and exactly on when the rapture is going to take place or or exactly what's going on in the world. And we may not all agree on these non-theological things like should we wear a mask or not wear a mask. But we all have to live united. And even within the more important things of doctrine and theology, live in unity until we all come to that point of agreement on what it means to know God to serve God to live for God and ultimately what he says here in the rest of the verse is we're not all equally mature that we're supposed to continue to grow we're not all equally uh, at the place that God wants us to do but he wants us to come to a unity of belief a unity of knowledge of Christ a unity of maturity in Christ but until then, we are to live in united in our diversity. And the last, the last point I want to make is this. And this dovetails with what I talked about last week. And that is this, that we are to demonstrate love one for another. If we're going to live in an authentic community, we have to demonstrate love one for another. And I, I chose the word demonstrate 
on purpose. I could have just said we need to love one another, but love is, in our culture, very ambiguous term. It, it can mean a lot of different things or almost nothing. It, it can mean that I just have feelings for somebody, or it means that, that I, you know, they're part of my family, so I love them. I don't like them, I love them. But to demonstrate love means that it has to be an action. It's, it has to be something that we're doing. It can't just be something that we possess. It can't just be having feelings. It has to be demonstrable. And that means that we need to show love by doing acts of love. And, I, and I'm not going to go into this in any depth because I, I covered it a lot last week. But understand this, that it is doing one what's best for others but it's doing the actions that they need. It's, it's demonstrating and showing love. That means it's taking care of them when they need to be taken care of. It means to, to be there for them when they need you to be there for them. It means a lot of different things. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. That we're to have love for all members of the body of Christ, just like God loved us. Just as Jesus loved us, we're to demonstrate that and to walk in love. And once again, walk is not just the act of physically walking. It is inclusive of all of the way in which we live. That when somebody does something you don't like, guess what? You love them. When somebody is in need, guess what? You demonstrate love by helping them. When somebody is hurting you come alongside them and you comfort them you demonstrate love for them paul would later go on in the end of chapter five and he, and he in the beginning of chapter six and he talks about loving your family and i'm not going to to read this but but in ephesians five twenty five through 33 those eight or nine verses there three times he says this husbands love your wives so husbands ought also to love their own wives to love his own wife. And so not only are we to love the, the broader body of Christ, but we're to love our family. Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's, that is an indicative of love. So we're to love one another, whether they're part of our family or not part of our biological family. We're to love them. We're to demonstrate love one for another. So how are we going to live in authentic community as a church? We need to recognize that we're all part of the same spiritual family. We need to recognize that we have the same salvation. We need to recognize that we have the same mission. We need to live united in our diversity, and we need to demonstrate love one for another. So what is it that you need to do as a result of this what what is it how can you put this into practice i would tell you this i think it's going to be unique for every person and, and all of us have different family relationships and and so it's it's hard to even use the idea of our natural family to explain some of this because your family background may be different than my family background. But, but if I could use that a little bit, and, and hopefully you'll understand this and be able to relate to it, 
You, you've all heard that blood is thicker than water. And what that means is that whenever push comes to shove or when the rubber meets the road, the road to use all those cliches, it's that family is more important than friendship. That if it comes down between family and a friend, family wins because blood is thicker than water and blood binds us together more than than just a regular friendship. Quick story, and it, it's probably humorous, but I had a, a good friend of mine. I, I spent a lot of time at his house growing up, and he lived on uh, about a mile from the river, kind of lived in a rural area. And, and so sometimes I would spend a week or more at a time at his house, frequently during the summer or even during the winter for that matter. Louisiana winters are pretty mild. I would be over there many times on Sundays between Sunday morning uh, worship and Sunday evening uh, worship, and, and I, would, I would go over there. So I, I was there a lot, man, good friend. And my older brother, who's three years older than I, and I don't remember how old we were exactly at this point, but he happened to be there at, on this particular day. And we're climbing a tree out in the front yard, big tree, and we were all up there at various times. My brother was the last one in the tree. And the, my friend and I, we, we had gotten down. And, and my friend decided that it would be fun to throw rocks at my brother who was up in the tree. Now, now, my brother and I, we had a pretty good relationship. But like any brothers, we would have our, our scraps and, and we would uh, argue and fight a little bit. My friend picks up a rock, and he throws, he misses a couple times, and he hits my brother, but my brother's up in a tree. It's not like he can go anywhere. He can't dodge and get out of the way, and, and I told him to stop, and he thought it was too fun, so he didn't want to stop. And, and even though he was my good friend, I wasn't going to allow him to harm my brother. And so... Sorry to say I harmed him because he, he wouldn't stop harming my brother. But, but the point is this, it's family. That I'm going to take care of family. I'm going to protect family. And, and ultimately what I would tell you is, is that a church, a local church, is or should be like a family. That's the, that's the best way I can put community together, I think, in, in terms that are most familiar to us, is that we're like a family. That we're supposed to be together. We protect one another. We, we do things for one another. We help one another. We, we, here at Cross Church, we want to have a culture of community where we're not just showing up on Sunday and saying hi and I hope you're doing well and and, and saying small talk and pleasantries and, okay, we'll see you next Sunday. But it should be more than that. It should be a community that's like a family, that we're here for one another. Oh, you need help on Tuesday. Well, let me see if I can change my schedule so I can help you on Tuesday. You, you, need, you need something on that day. Well, let me see what I can do for you. You're sick and you, you need somebody to bring a meal, so I'm going to bring a meal to you. You're... You've got you're a real busy week, a week going on. Well, let, can I take care of your kids? Can I watch your kids? Or, or somebody, one of your families in the hospital, can I help you out? What can I do for you? Or your car's broke down, can I help you? 
Whatever it may be, it's what you do for family. And that's what we want to be as a local church. Ultimately, the entire body of Christ is, is a community. It is, it is a larger family. But I very seldom see my family that lives out of town. I, I don't see my brother or my sister but once or twice a year. I'm not with them. But I'm, and, and in the same way, I'm not with the saints of God that are in St. Louis or in Minnesota or in California but the people at Cross Church, that's the family. That's the community. That's the local body of Christ that I'm with. And as such, we need to live in authentic <coughs> community. We need to live as people of God. We need to demonstrate love, to live in unity, serve one another, and to live as family. And if you're following along in the notes, you'll see that at the bottom of the notes a call to action. And only you can answer some of the ways in which you personally can put that into practice. Only you can ultimately decide in how you need to demonstrate love for somebody here at the church or demonstrate love to somebody that's part of this community. Only you can really decide how best to live in unity when you disagree and only you can come up with ways really in which you can serve one another because you may know things that I don't know. You may know people have needs that I don't know. I'm not putting out a need list and going, hey man, these people, these people in the church, they need this or that. But you know, you need to serve. We need to live as family. So let's close in prayer. I've gone probably too long for an online only type of deal. Well, let's close in prayer. Before we're done today, wherever you are, would you bow your head and would you pray along with me? Jesus, we thank you for all that you have done for us. Lord, we're thankful, we're so thankful that you have brought us into your family, that you have brought people of different backgrounds and different ethnicities and different experiences and different perspectives. Lord, you have brought us all together as family. You have brought us into this local assembly called Cross Church. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live in authentic community where we love you and we learn to love one another more. Lord, as we grow in our love for you and grow in our love for one another, I pray that you help us to demonstrate that love. I pray that you help us to live in unity. Lord, not just to put all of our opinions and things on the back burner that, and then we become the doormat and whatever somebody else says, we just go along, but but help us to learn how to live in unity even when we disagree, even when somebody else has an opinion that's different than mine or mine is different from somebody else's. Lord, help us to live in unity. I pray that you help us to serve one another, that we would do what's best for one another, that when somebody needs something, Lord, we would come alongside them and serve them. Ultimately, Lord, I pray that you help us to live as that same spiritual family that you have made us. And Lord, even on this point, even there are probably people that have different family backgrounds or families, not necessarily a positive thing. I pray that this church would be the family that they never had, that this church would be the example of what a true Christian family should live like and to be like, to act like. Help us to live as a godly 
family in authentic community. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us today online. Lord willing, we'll be back in person next Sunday, and uh, you'll be able to fellowship. It is maybe ironic that this was the topic today about living in community when we're all scattered in our separate places and unable to be together. But God knows all things, and uh, He knows exactly what we need and when we need it. So thank you so much. Love all of you. Looking forward to seeing you next Sunday. God bless you. Be blessed.